0: Sheesh, Oaks are botching it up today, doing it for the kingdom, amen. So, good evening everyone, and it's good to see you all here. Uh, I haven't been here for two weeks, I've been uh, on holiday, no jokes, um, I've been in, in Joburg and Pumalanga on a course, um, uh, if you want to I'll have a coffee with you afterwards and I can spen- explain a bit more about it, intense, an intensive course that I've been on, um, so there's a lot of stuff going on in my mind right now, and I'm going to try and figure out uh, what to say. But um, this is the last evening service for the year. Who's excited? No, you shouldn't be. Yeah, you shouldn't be. Wrong, wrong, wrong answer. should be like, what are we going to do now every single Sunday evening? It's, like, it's not like the World Cup soccer's on or something, huh? Eh? Yeah. Flip, Have you, I've missed the opening ceremony, I've missed the first game. What's happened? Yeah, is it still going? Don't tell me the score yet, eh? What? (laughs) It's Qatar and Ecuador, so there's not much to write home about, let's be honest. But um, it's good to be here. And uh, if you're new and you're visiting us for the first time, I want to welcome you. And hopefully you've got a connect card when you walked in. Fill that out, bring it to the coffee shop. We'd love to just get to know you a little bit more. And uh, I hope you're going to enjoy our time this evening. So preparing for tonight, I was thinking about what is share and, and what we can do, and I just felt like maybe it would be a good opportunity for us to reflect. And uh, the interns are sick of me saying that name, that word, reflection, it's always been about reflection over the last three or four weeks, reflecting on what's happened, what the Lord said, and, but there's something important about reflecting. There's something really, really special about I think we are so wired at human beings, and COVID reminded us not to, but we're so wired as human beings, we just want to go 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 and do more and do more and do more. And when something good has happened, it's like it's done, and then we just move on to the next thing. Hey? Who agrees? Yes. So it's really good to look back because I think when we look back at things, I think we can learn from our mistakes. We can learn from what the Lord is saying, and we can take that into where we're going. And we do that in a lot of other areas in our life. But when it comes to living and, our, and what has happened in, our, in, in the, the previous year or the year that's just happened, I think we don't often find it regular in our lives. So I want to look back and look forward. What are we, As we look back, and the more we look back, the better we're able to look forward at what the Lord is saying in us uh, for this next, next year coming. And so my first question to you guys and we can reflect while I'm talking, while we're thinking. I'll give you a bit of time to think while we are, uh, while I'm sharing. But if you had to speak to yourself now, your beginning, 20, the, the January 2022 human being, if you had to speak to that person now, what would you say to them? Think about that for a sec. What would, what would your advice have been to yourself at the beginning of this year? You know? My advice would definitely be, do not ever play indoor soccer with a bunch of kids. Yesterday we played indoor soccer, and oh my word, there are muscles in my body that I didn't know I had. I mean, I'm not lying, there's back muscles. I mean, I'm actually quite a muscly person, obviously, because there are so many muscles in my back and my legs that I have no clue were there. Do not play uh, indoor soccer with a bunch of youngsters. But what about you? What would you say to yourself at the beginning of this year? Would you, would you say, hey, don't take that as seriously as you did? Or, hey, remember to not put so much pressure on yourself with this. hey, Or maybe you should have put more effort into that. What would you have said to your January 2022 self? And what advice would you give in yourself now? And, and almost as you do that... It's like what would you give your advice to yourself for the next year coming? What are the things that you're putting in place? What are the things that you're gonna go for and 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 actually desire and seek for? Another question here, what were some joys from this year? Think about it. What were some of the good things that the Lord did in your life? Hey? Did you go overseas? Did you get a birthday present? Still haven't got a birthday present. And I was my birthday was on the fourteenth of September. Yes. No one here. Come on, guys. Seriously. Um, what are some of the joys from your year that you can think of? What are some of the failures from this year? What are some of the things that you think? Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> hey. Some people are in matric. And I'm looking at you guys, Warwick. Jokes. And what are some painful moments from this year? Some of the really sore moments. The things that we have kind of tried to forget. The things that we have tried to run away from. The things that really have been sore. And this is a serious moment as well. Some of the painful things that we have gone through that are really hectic. You know? And I think for, for some of us, for some of, I, I don't know, probably all of us, don't you feel like we're rushing? We've been two years in COVID and we've really had to go slow and all of a sudden it feels like this year we've had to try and catch up for two years. Hey? I don't know about you, but it feels like it's like everything that I wanted to do for the last two years that we weren't allowed to do, I needed to do this year. And it's like we're rushing And we're trying to fix everything, and we're trying to fill everything, and it's painful sometimes when you you can't do it all. And while I was praying uh, for this evening service and thinking about all this stuff, I got a picture of in in 2002 when I was in grade five. So don't do the maths. When I was in grade five in 2002 uh, at our school in Durban, they built this new auditorium, and uh, they put this plaque by the stairs, and they opened this little portal. And they said, uh, we want every single person, every single gray to bring something that they remember about themselves or something that they're gonna, they want to just put into this portal. And in 50 years' time, they're going to open this portal up and they're going to invite us all back and we're going to see what we, what we put in. That was 20 years ago now, so you can also do the maths there. But when I was asked the Lord, well, why are you giving me this picture? What are you trying to say? And I feel like for a lot of us, We've taken dreams, we've taken pains, we've taken frustrations, we've taken desires, we've taken things that we feel and experience, and we kind of put them in this little portal. And we feel ourselves like, well, I'll deal with that when I'm older. Hopefully not 50 years time, but I'll deal with that when I'm more mature or when it's actually important to deal with it. Relationships, brokenness, things that are going on in our lives. It's like yeah, that person hurt me, but I don't want to deal with that now because it's actually really painful. I'm going to put it in the portal, and I'll deal with it later on. And I feel like the Lord is saying to us, now is the time. Now is the time to not wait 50 years to access this portal, but actually the Lord begins to, wants to begin to reveal things that we've put down. He wants to reveal, and they are painful, and sometimes it is quite confusing and frustrating, but He wants to deal with it so that we walk into next year more whole. I feel like as we begin to talk and as we begin to listen tonight, and as we begin to worship, I I, I really believe that the Lord is going to bring encounters or experiences to your mind, pictures of things that have happened to you, good and bad. And I, I really encourage you, if something comes to mind, just write it down. Write it down on a piece of paper. Put it on your phone. Just remember it and ask the Lord just one question. Jesus, what are you saying? What are you saying? Why are you reminding me about this? Why are you bringing this up? It might be something really silly, right? Um, It it might be really, not not really something like super profound. It might just be something very, very small, but but actually meaningful to you. That The Lord is trying to bring up. He's trying to say he wants to begin to deal with that. He wants to begin to take that so that he can grow you. And so... The question that I want to ask us tonight is, why would God want to bring up this pain? Why would God want to bring up fear? Why would God want to bring up dreams that we never happened? Why would God want to bring up these things? It's like, God, I I enjoyed it down there. I don't want to bring it up. Why does God want to bring up things that are not good? Why would He do that? Why would He do that? I think sometimes because we don't really understand that question— we, we don't think God wants to bring these things up. We think God wants, wants to, us to forget about these things because he's like, oh, you're a terrible person, but if you, don't, if you don't remember it, maybe we can fix you. But he actually, the truth is, God actually wants to bring those things up. He wants to deal with them, but why? And I think once we understand the why behind it, why, God, are you bringing this up? Why It's you that is doing this. Why are you doing this? We begin to understand the point of all of this. So tonight, God wants, I believe, ultimately, I I was just praying. I was saying, Lord, what do you want to say? He wants to shout out to everyone else tonight. He wants to shout that he desires the relationship with us more than anything else. He he, He so badly desires relationship. And for some of us, we've lost that. I've lost that. I've been on this course for the last week. And actually, while praying, it's like I've actually believed that that, that I'm I'm here to, to work for God, but I'm not really here to trust Him. And it's like when you when you face it face, you realize, do I actually Do I trust the Lord? Do I believe that I'm in a relationship with Him? And the, the reason we don't is not because He's messed it around. The reason is we don't really believe, we don't actually trust that He desires the relationship with us more than anything else. And that's what I want us to do. I just want to unpack a few examples tonight to show you God, ultimately everything, it's about a relationship. He just desires relationship. He just desires friendship with you. And when you understand that, when things come up, it's like, okay, that's fine, you know, Sarah, my wife, when she she asks me questions, I don't go, why the heck are you asking me that question? Maybe I do. I don't know. No, I don't. Of course not. When she asks me things, Bob, why did you do that? She's asking me because she wants to understand me. Because we're in a relationship. So it's about relationship. Why does God want to bring up this pain? Relationship. Why does he want us to bring up lost dreams? Relationship. Why does he want us to deal with things that people have hurt hurt us? Relationship. It's about relationship. So let's understand this. How how can we believe this? And all I want to do tonight, basically, is just throw at us truth. Just truth that, that this is true. Because we kind of believe it up here. God wants a relationship, it's easy to say that, it's easy to understand that, but actually to believe it is a whole different story. And and we I'm not I'm not gonna ever tell you you have to believe it. No, but maybe when we begin to see the truth, we begin to realize this is the pattern that God is flowing over and over and over again. The first one, Elijah and God. Now we, we're not gonna look at all of them, but I just want to touch on a few encounters. So we, we know the story. Well, we actually maybe known. 1 Kings 18 and 19. I just want to summarize it. Elijah and God. Elijah is facing these bold prophets. They want to kill him because he's going against them, and he's trusting the Lord, and he stands up in front of all these bold prophets, and he says, God, you better answer me. Like, you better come through for me now, right? And God comes and consumes the sacrifice, and he destroys all these bold prophets. And then he builds up a bit of confidence. He thinks, okay, this is actually working. God's in the house. So then he goes and he tells Ahab, this king, he says, you better get out of here. This place is going to flood. But it's a beautiful day like this. Imagine, guys, we better get home. It's going to flood. He'd be like, not a chance. And, uh, and then he sends a servant out and his servant prays Seven times the servant goes and prays. And eventually they see this fist of a cloud. And, the, and then he says, we better go because it's going to storm. And the place just floods. And he runs faster than Ahab on a horse. So it's like supernatural stuff going on there. Just incredible stuff. And then all of a sudden, Queen Jezebel comes at him and says, hey, because you've killed the prophets, I'm going to come at you. He gets scared. He runs away. And eventually, he finds himself sleeping under this tree. And an angel comes to him. And what does the angel bring him? Does anyone know? Hmm? Cake. Yes. He brings him a cake. I mean, what? Come on. A horse, maybe? A car? He could have teleported him to this next place. Why would the angel bring superpower Elijah, who's done all this amazing stuff, a beautiful, warm cake? He's showing him a message. He's saying, Elijah, what are you doing? He's saying, Elijah... You've seen all this stuff. You've seen God's power. But, but, but I'm bringing you this cake because I want to show you I'm in the detail. It's relationship. If he brought all this stuff, if he brought a horse and stuff, Elijah would have just carried on thinking God as this big God who just wants to do big things. But he's showing him, Elijah, I care for your needs, even if it's an insignificant need, like being filled with a bit of cake. Intimacy, relationship. Angel meets him there. Elijah, wake up. So Elijah grabs some water and cake and then he goes back to sleep. And then the angel, a little passive, you know, such a nice gentleman, he wakes him up again. Elijah, eat. And that's that sustained him for 40 days. You see the delicacy of this relationship. God coming through for Elijah, reminding him, Elijah, it's about relationship. Take this warm, beautiful little cake. But Elijah doesn't realize from that. He goes and he runs and he hides in the cave, right? And then God sends this fire and this wind and this earthquake, and he sends all these things, but keeps on repeating it there. God was not in the fire. He was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. Why did he keep on repeating that? Because he's saying to Elijah again and again and again, Elijah, I'm not in, or I'm not just in the big stuff. I'm not just for the big power. I'm not just for all of the stuff. I'm for relationship. How? Because after all he's done, all these encounters, he calls Elijah out. Elijah puts his cloak on. He gets out of the cave. And then he says in a small, still whisper, God says, what are you doing here? Elijah wasn't doing a good job. Elijah was running. Elijah had seen all the stuff, so he would have been expected to know what was going on, but he didn't. He was rebellious, and he ran away. God didn't come and judge him and throw him out and say, Yowza, you're a waste of time. I'm going to find someone else who can do the job. He cares about Elijah. He goes after him. He brings him cake. He shows him all of these encounters because he's reminding him again and again, I'm not in the power. I'm in the still, small voice. And he whispers, he says, what are you doing here? And Elijah then moans again. I don't know. And he says, go. And it's just that that's an example of just God wasn't about Elijah, I like you because you're doing good things for me. That's what we believe. If I read my Bible and if I pray and if I really am good, God will notice me more. No, that's not what that truth is saying. That's not what the story is saying. Why is it in the Bible? Because it's trying to tell us there. God loves it when we do good things, but it's it's not about that. It's about the relationship. He whispers to him, what are you doing here? Come on, my boy, let's go. It's relationship. It's relationship. Look at another story, Jesus. He gets baptized, Matthew chapter three. The next thing, what's the next thing that happens? Boom, goes to the desert. And we all know, 40 days, he stays in the desert and, and he doesn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. You remember Survivor? Who, remember who, who watched Survivor? How many days was Survivor? 39. Why would they make it 39? Because technically, now someone can prove me if I'm wrong, but technically I think you can, you can survive without food for 39 days, but 40 days you will die. So 39 is like the, the, the number, like if you can survive, you, if, if you didn't eat on Survivor, you could still technically survive. But Jesus did one more day showing this guy should have died. He was hungry, he was tired, he was at his worst And God had just affirmed him. He said, "He has my son. And in the desert, he equips him and he speaks to him. And so Jesus has this amazing moment. He's called a son. Relationship again. Truth. Relationship. It's about relationship. Jesus had done nothing yet. He had done nothing yet. But he calls him his son. And then he goes into the desert. And we think, oh, my word, when we're in a desert time, we must, must have got it wrong. So we form this relationship with God. We think it's about relationship, and then we get into a desert time, and then we go, God, what happened? Obviously, it's not about relationship then. Obviously, I'm doing something wrong. No. Relationship is not about getting it right. It's not about doing it all perfectly. It shows you in the suffering, God is there in the relationship. It's relationship he's after. It's relationship. He has a third and final one. Who, remember the prodigal son? I mean, we know these stories. We know them. The prodigal son, he grabs his inheritance. And when they grab the inheritance, it was basically saying, you're dead. Right? You only take your inheritance when your father dies. So he's saying, you're dead to me. Give me my inheritance. He goes and splashes it. And then he realizes, actually, these pigs are getting better food than I am. I'm starving. I'll go back to my dad. I will repent. I will say sorry. I will be a servant for him. He goes back, and this is not even a real story. This is a parable that Jesus is showing. He's explaining to the people there who God is. That is the picture of God. We're either the, the older brother or the younger brother. We're either the younger brother that does everything wrong and, and goes back, or we're the older brother that tries to earn his identity by being a good person. We fit one of those or both of those at different times. And what God, what Jesus is trying to explain in that picture again, that is the heart of God. That he sees his son from far away, and he runs after him. And he, he has an opportunity, the son, to explain. And he has well, this whole speech that he's going to explain to his dad. He's, and, and he goes through the speech. And straight after the speech, his dad just puts a cloak around him. And he embraces him, and he loves him. And he says, get the fat and calf. Let's have a celebration. My son is home. Relationship. And it's again and again and again and again. We can look over and over and over. Every single story we can unpack, every single bit, all screams, God screaming over us, he wants a relationship. He desperately, desperately desires relationship. That is the truth. If we believe it or not, if we don't feel it, if we, if we don't see it, if we think we've been too terrible, that we've done too many bad things, all of that is that's what we think, but it's not the truth. The truth is he wants relationship. And the moment we begin to realize that, that is the place where we begin to deal with our stuff. In that moment, when we begin to realize that, then we're in a special place. And that's the place, that is the point of pain. That is the point of, of of the stuff that the Lord wants to bring up. He, wants, he desperately desires to bring it up because he wants us to deal with it so that we understand it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. So how do we... Have this relationship. And I just want to pull out three quick little things for us to just focus on that will that we learn from these stories and many other stories. Oh, I forgot this. Let me just read this for you. Mike Pilovacci writes in his book about the desert place. We all love the filled with the spirit part. We all love encounters, eh? Experiences with the spirit. Oh, it's beautiful. It is. Some of us love this so much that we're always seeking for more of the Spirit. Feeling low? Have another experience of the Spirit. Struggling to sense God's presence and hear His voice? Go to another receiving meeting. I don't want you to misunderstand me here. Of course we need to be filled with the Spirit again and again and again. We should be hungry for more of God that includes experiences of Him. After all, the Bible is full of people having encounters with and experiences of God. I believe, however, that at this point we can short-circuit a process that God has ordained for those He wants to use in His service. Meaning, the moment we try and just look for encounters and experience, we we short-circuit the actual meaning of what God wants to do in our life. The process is a place. A spiritual place. The desert. When He has filled you Allow him to lead you into the desert. Do not resist. When you find yourself in the desert, don't be too eager to run back to the bright lights of the revival meeting. Stay in the desert and let him teach you things you could never learn in any charismatic meeting. The desert is the place where God prepares you and forms you. It is his place. He waits for you there. So how do we stay in this place? Because I think that's sometimes our biggest problem. We, 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 we know the truth. We desire the relationship. But we just can't deal with ourselves. You know, I've got a two-year-old daughter. My word, it's like chaos at the moment. That girl's running naked all over the place. And we're trying to potty train her. And it's just weeing all over the place, you know? And then she wants to sit on the toilet because it's time to wee. And it'll be like 20 minutes. And I'm standing there. And I'm like, please, just... Stop, you know? Like just, are you going to we or not? It's just chaos. It's just mess around. And, and that's a picture of like us with ourselves. Like we're just trying to like get it right. We're like, please, David, just get it right once. And so always we like up and down in our mind, up and down. We're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and I'm going to get back at that person. And it's like a two-year-old child in our mind. And so our biggest enemy is ourself. So, we want the relationship, we know the truth. But we need to deal with this this thing of a thing called me, and so three things that are going to help us deal with me. Number one, we need to know our weaknesses and limitations: do you know what you're weak at? Do you know what what are your limitations? Do you know what triggers you? Do you know what 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 will distract you and cause you frustration? Do you know? Do you understand what that looks like in your life? If you don't, that's the place to start. Lord, help me. Show me my weaknesses. Oh, my word. There it comes, you know? And it's like, I don't want to deal with this. This is bad. But this is, that's good. <laughs> it's good to know your weaknesses because then you begin to identify wow, okay, now I know how to depend on the Lord. When you understand your weaknesses, when you understand your limitations, then you begin to lean on him. But if you don't know your weaknesses, if we're not sure about what are we bad at or what we need help with, we actually technically, basically, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we realize we need help with every single little thing. But when we begin and we start to look at, okay, what are the things that, are, that I'm really bad at? When we begin to know those things, we can take those and we can use them to lean on the Lord. I'm, I I can be very controlling. Believe it or not, no one would ever think that, eh? But you know, I, I like it all in my way, my box. It's all me. I realize that's a weakness for me. Why? Because I want to be in control. Why? Because if I'm in co- out of control, I don't feel lekker, like eh? Hey? I don't know about you. When I'm not in control and I don't know exactly what's going to happen, I don't feel quite nice. So I want to feel nice. How do I feel nice? Be in control that's a trigger, that's a real, okay, I'm in, I need, I want to be in control, I need to give that to the Lord. It's not a nice thing, but you know what, it's a way that's going to get me to be in relationship with Him, because the moment I want to be in control, I say, God, I want, I, I, I more desire you to be in control, and actually have used something that the enemy has used for evil, and I'm using it for good, you know, that's a song, amen, Hey, but The enemy has come at us, and he brings weaknesses and things in our lives to trigger us up and to to mess us up. What actually happens is, this is the the gospel, this is the message, this is the most beautiful thing about everything in life. The weaknesses, the problems, the things in our lives that that, uh, make us trip, make us fall, hurt us, those are the beautiful things that draw us closer to him. And you realize, yo, I'm really bad at that, okay. That is a, that's a beautiful doorway, not a, not a boundary, but a doorway into more of him. Because now you know you're going to drop the ball when you do that. And you can trust him with that. And relationship begins to form. So what does the enemy, enemy, you've lost your sting. You have nothing against me. Because the good things, I thank the Lord for those. And the bad things, I'm leaning on him. And as I begin to lean on him with the more things that I realize are wrong in my life, the more relationship begins to grow. I don't just see him as this powerful God that does things for me and then when things go wrong, I run like Elijah. I see him not as a powerful God far away, but I see him as a father who embraces me when I come back and say, I'm sorry, like the prodigal son. The prodigal son was never as close as he was to his father until he had made every single mistake in the world. <laughs> Think about it. He was close to his dad. He wasn't actually close to his dad. He was far away from his dad when he was at home. He made every single mistake, and after that, that was the closest he'd ever been to his dad. And then he needed had to make a choice. He now understands his weaknesses. He understands his limitations, and he needed to make a choice. Is he gonna walk into still being a son even though he's messed up everything? Was he going to actually believe that he was a son after knowing all his weaknesses? Or he could have been a better son now because he's freed from thinking the wrong thing. We need to know our weaknesses and our limitations. Number two, God doesn't want to fix you. He wants to love you. We think God was created. We think we were created on this Earth. We think God does all of this so that He can like fix us. He's like, these guys, they're botching up everything. I better bring Jesus into the mix so that we can fix him so they can become holy, um, brilliant, perfect people. Robots. No. God didn't bring Jesus to fix you. God brought Jesus to love you. We want to be fixed because we just want to deal with our shame. We just want to deal with our brokenness. We just want to deal with our sin. Why? Why do we just want God to fix us? We just want God to fix us because we want to be loved by people. If I can seem perfect, if I can deal with those things and just pretend or just move past that, I'm going to receive more love from people because they're going to think I'm better and I'm going to be a a better looking person. I just fix the way I look, the way I speak, the way I react. So God, if you just fix me, I will receive more love. Not from you, but from people. So the common denominator is we just want love. We all just want love. We just desire love. And instead of taking, I want to be fixed that I get loved, I I just go to God to be loved, not to be fixed. And it's simple, but it changes the the dynamic. It changes the idea of how we approach God. Because we're not coming to God, you know, there's a time limit here. Oh, my word, I've messed up for the 10th time. If I mess up one more time, God's going to throw me out. Because he sent Jesus to fix me, and I'm not fixed. So either I need to do one thing or the other. I need to pretend that I'm fixed, or I need to just give up. That's how we live our life. And then we go break, and we go rest, and the next year we come in, okay, I'm going to be better, God. I'm going to really try harder. And God is saying, no, relationship, 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 relationship. And When that begins to change, God doesn't want to fix me. Yeah, he wants me to change. He, want, he doesn't want me to, to sin the way I'm sinning, but that's because it's hurting me. It doesn't affect him. It just hurts. He feels hurt because he sees I'm hurt, but it doesn't change God, who God is. We come to God and we say, oh, Lord, you actually want to love me. We bring the weaknesses. We bring the sin to him. We don't try to hide it from him. We want love. Imagine if we could start next year saying, ultimate, my ultimate goal is I just want to know the love that God has for me. That's it. Pure. Period, as people say never understood that thing. Period. Boom. But imagine if we would walk into saying, I know God loves me because I see it in the truth. And now I want to experience that. And so pain or joy, suffering or good things, I'm going to bring it all to God because everything draws me into relationship with him. That's the secret. That's the secret. And the final one, I'm gonna. I'm gonna um, share with you tonight. Is Jesus meets us in the pain. This is a beautiful thing to understand. <laughs> he us. Um You know when, when 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 pain comes up, when things come up. It's really sore. Hey, it's really painful. It's really sore, and. The truth that God wants to show us is in, in relation with us. The truth is that when that pain comes, what we want to do is oh, we always think as human beings, pain equals bad, must put away. But pain equals opportunity to remind myself that Jesus is there, because the, we are human beings. We feel, we live, we experience pain and joy. But we think God is just wanting us to like enjoy the happiness of them, but the pain, I must deal with. But when we realize Jesus is in your pain, it's just freeing. Because whatever's happened to you, Whatever people have done to you, whatever broken relationships or things that have happened in your life, those things that you have bottled down, that you've put in a portal and you say, I'm going to look at in 50 years' time, those things, when you begin to access those and ask, Lord, what are you wanting to deal with? When those things come up and you begin to deal with them, they become doorways, beautiful doorways of getting to know him in a deeper way. Why? Because that thing that that person did to you, or that pain that's happened to you, that is a very, very precious hidden thing. And when you remember, or you understand, or you realize, wait, God is in that, it changes your your life. It'll change your life. Because the most important thing, the most secret sense of thing in your life, you realize God is in there. And wow, thank you, Lord. And so, church, I want to encourage us. We know, God, you're in, you're in a relationship. It's all about a relationship with you. But it, it's, it's about bringing those things. And then worship begins to change. Our worship begins. Because we're not just thanking God for, like, giving me a house, and which is good, but thanking God for just, like, creating me. And it's just very general. But it's like, thank you, God, that even though that person abused me or that person broke my heart, like, you were th- you're there. You're there with me, and it begins to change our worship, it begins to change the way we read the Bible, it begins to change the way we connect with everyone because we understand God is in the detail like a cake, He's in the detail. And so, I want to encourage us tonight as we worship, as we minister, as we go on, bring your pain not to me, bring your pain to Him. No one will know. Just bring it to him and say, Lord, what do you want to do with this? Do you want to, what do you you want to do with this? Because that, guess what? (laughs) The more pain and more brokenness and the things that people have done to you, if you experience, the more opportunity you have to encounter the Lord. That is the beautiful heart of Jesus. That he doesn't say you're disqualified because you've done so much wrong. He doesn't say you're out of it because you're, you know, you're just really broken. He says the more broken you are, the more he's in you. He looks at that prostitute woman on the ground. He says, do you see her to the Pharisees? He says, "This, this lady is closer to me than all of you because she understands. She's taking her brokenness and using opportunities to connect with Jesus. So you sit here tonight and you think, I'm absolutely broken. I've done so many things wrong. You are more qualified tonight to encounter Jesus. Why? Because he's in more pain. (laughs) He's in more pain. I can can experience even more of Jesus because he wants to go there and he wants to meet with me there. Amen. Let's stand. And uh, let's do it. It's come to the Lord, and the worship team can come. Let's let's come to the Lord. Let's bring the things. And I just want us to take a moment as we begin to worship Him. Let's begin to worship Him tonight. If you want, just put out your hands with me. We just want to invite the Holy Spirit to increase more right now. We want to increase more. And, 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 and I, just, I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now, will, will you come and give us the power, the energy, the strength to begin to dig deep, Lord, that you would remind us as your gentle, beautiful self, that you would begin to recall the things, Lord, the dreams that we have laid down, the anxiety and the fear of next year, the pain and the brokenness that was caused by others or ourselves. The, the expectation that we, we really desire something, we really desire fresh relationships, we really desire new things. And I pray, Lord, that we would bring all of these things right now to you. I just sense there's a, a deep frustration, a deep longing for Him, but a deep pain. Don't run away. Don't run away from the the, the pain. Jesus is in the pain. Jesus is in that place. You don't have to understand, you don't have to know exactly, you don't have to, to, to even want to bring it to the Lord. Just stay in that place. That's where Jesus is right now. He's with you in there. And so as we worship him, let's go out strong. Let's give him, give him our all. You know, it's significant. It's the last evening service of the year. Let's it's lay down it all to Him, to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords. Lay down our lives. It's, it's not, not for anyone but for yourself. It's a date with the King and His kingdom. And so allow Him to go to places that you've bottled up. Allow Him to go to places that you've held back. Jesus, we pray. We pray, Holy Spirit, right now, would you invade our hearts, invade our minds, Lord. That we are not disqualified. We are not disqualified. But we are more worthy. Because, Jesus, you're in there. Because it's about you. We pray, Lord, for broken relationships right now. We pray for that pain. We pray, Father, that we remember that you're in it. You're with us. Lord, will you show up and will you begin to show off? We long for you. We long for you. So as we worship him now, let's just, let's give it horns. Let's let's bring our stuff to him. Let's allow him to dig deep.